your Bibles this morning to Psalms chapter 27 and stand with me. Psalms 27, the air cut on, thank you, Lord. Someone told me that day, they said, well, take your coat off. It's, it don't matter. I've determined that sweat is just fat crying. That's all that is. It's fat that is crying about things. <laughs> it's a gift. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, pray for Kelly. I told her the other day, I said, you used to find me charming and funny. She goes, I know. <laughs> oh, and I need to say, and forgive me, there's just so much this weekend. And um, I'm not a, um, well, anyway, Kelly and I celebrated 10 years uh, Friday. And uh, yeah, best two decades of my life. Uh, for those of you that don't know our history, let me just tell you this. Ten years ago this weekend, uh, the night before we got married, my heart was a bruised heart, a shattered heart. Uh, was just about to beat out of my chest, about to see God's goodness. And uh, ten years ago, this woman rescued me. And my heart is whole. My home is filled. I love going home. I love waking up there. And she is the better half of us. And um, I wrote, you know, we do a, a serious card and a funny card. Do y'all do that? Anybody else on anniversary? My funny card said, it was real spiritual. I said, I just want you to know that I'm entering into your joy and I'm celebrating the fact that you get to be married to me. So, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to publicly uh, acknowledge that and thank you for making our house a home and for being the best mom that I know. So thank you. Okay, Psalms 27, 1 through 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I could close my Bible. I preached right, right then. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And though an entire army, a host, would encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He will hide me in His pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Well, where is that? It's a secret. He'll set me upon a rock. Now my head shall be lifted above mine enemies round about me. So that means the experience of the believer, sometimes our head is not lifted above, but it's equal to or beneath. Therefore, in this tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. Now watch the shift. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me, God, and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said unto you, your face will I seek. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies." Deliver me not unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And here it is. Here's the primary two texts. I had fainted, or I was just about to faint, but I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and the Lord will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Before you're seated, you need to know that the majority of David's life, he lived with incredible circumstances in time, at times too much to bear. He was anointed by Samuel when he was around 12 to 15 years old, and he had to wait some 20 plus years to be anointed as king of Israel. On the run from the reigning king Saul, Saul had hired all these numerous soldiers whose sole job was to find and kill David. That was their job. So he lived on the run, he lived in the wilderness, he lived in caves among the Philistines and later among many outlaws and outcasts. He lived with incredible faith that would not allow him to quit. He lived with incredible perspective that kept him from being cynical or unbelieving. He was no stranger to answered and unanswered prayer. 
unspeakable sorrow and the cruelty of others. And he shares with us, he said, I got to a place I had just about expired. There wasn't the inward tenacity anymore. I was going on fumes. And at my last bit of strength, I declared to myself that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is so good that his goodness will find me where I'm at. I don't have to find it. It will find me. So I want to speak to you this morning on a, uh, for a few moments. Got preaching me this morning, by the way. Victory in and over fears and waitings. Victory in fears and waiting and over fear and waiting. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me say a, a prayer for myself, if you will, and join with me, I'm asking. Father, I just present myself to you today uh, as I am. No ability, no gifting that can uh, amount to any change or benefit in the life of the believer without the anointing of your Holy Spirit. So let that fall upon me today in strength and power. Let your word go forth like a mighty arrow, Lord. Like Make my words like the pen of a ready writer. Let it reach us where we are. Let us be stirred and motivated and changed, receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to go ahead and give you the main headings. I want to speak to you about, and when I say David, I mean us too. David's battle. David's faith. And David's success. David's battle. David's faith. And David's success. Much of our Christian life. We are dealing with enemies, weaknesses, obstacles, and delay. As a matter of fact, much of what you're struggling with now has to do with your weakness, your enemies, obstacles, or delays. In this portion of Scripture, you, you don't have to divide this chapter up, but verses 1 through 6 deals with David's enemies. Verse 7 through 10 deals with his failures. Verse 11 through 14 deals with his fear of abandonment by God. As believers, we are afraid of many things, and God commands us to be afraid of nothing. And in nothing, terrified by your adversaries. And our fearlessness is supposed to communicate to principalities and powers in this world of their coming perdition. It's the evidence of Christ's victory uh, in, in the world, the ev- when we have victory in us, it's the evidence of his kingship from the heavenly realm. But here's five categories I narrowed down, and I'm sure there are more, but if you want to make these as a heading and later on put the things you struggle with, with fear and waiting in them, we're afraid that God is not who he said he is. We're afraid that God is not who he said he is. We're afraid that God will not do what he said he would do. We're afraid that God will not do what he said he would do. And we know that by his word. We're afraid that we're disqualified. We're we're afraid we're disqualified for access to him or his best for our life because of our sins. We're afraid that he's not listening or answering our prayers. You remember in verse 7 he said, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, Have mercy upon me and answer me. And here's a big one for some of us. We're afraid that God will not choose for us the things that we would choose for ourselves. Your theology, your belief system about God is the single greatest determining factor. This side of the cross, of course it has to be intact to be saved. But this side of the cross, it determines your strength, Your perseverance, your attitude, your praise, your worship, your words, your countenance, your direction, your pace. The Bible says it's even the victory that overcomes the whole world. Your faith, your belief system in God is the dunamis 
to navigate every situation. And at, at, the, at hell's onslaught, when it, Satan is attacking you with the very worst, the Bible said, and if you'll take the shield of faith, it is able to quench all, you didn't hear me, all the fiery darts of the enemy. Your belief about God extinguishes all of these attacks and these arrows. Believing that God is who he said he is. That he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's at all places at all times. He's all powerful. He's for me. He has sworn. He couldn't find anything great to swear by. So he swore against himself that he would be faithful to me. He is current with me. And I am his great, and you are his greatest investment. How you know, John, God's going to take care of you? He got too much invested in me not to care for me. I was not redeemed with the blood of, uh, with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Not the blood of bulls and goats. I am, I, I was paid for by the death of his son. I've got, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, believe him, trust in him. God is who he said he is. And he's the same. You want to, let me tell you something to open up Bible study for you. When you read anything in the Old Testament or New Testament, just write just a simple phrase. The God of David is my God. The God of Moses. I got a sea of impossibility. Moses' God is my God. When you read in that context... David's facing a giant, and with a sling, he befalls this uh, 12-foot being, this uh, satanically inspired uh, superhuman with just a rock and a sling. That's my God. The, the, the God that fed the Israelites. Wade taught about this last week in the wilderness, dropping manna from heaven. God of my provision. God of my deliverance. The Lord, my healer. That's my God. Uh, the God that does things I don't even pray for. I remember the, the story in the New Testament where the widow of Nain, she's going to bury her son. No mention of her faith, no mention of her belief, no mention of her knowing God at all. And she's going to bury her son and they're carrying him on these two poles, four men and a little flat bamboo type bed and the dead boy laying there on the tier. It's what's called T-I-E-R. And they're walking him, and the Bible says that Jesus is walking by. And he goes, Excuse me, just a minute, boys. And he just reaches up and touches him. The boy sits up and he goes, Y'all going? Keep the video running for me, somebody. Right then, what was it like? The boy sat up and he goes, Y'all have a good day. He goes on about his business. What just happened? And then I read that and I go, God, you're doing stuff for me. I'm not even asking. You See, it opens up when you understand that God is. But we're afraid that he's not. We're afraid that he's a deluded God. Uh, a distracted God. Why do you think God tells us that he that uh, cares for Israel does not slumber or sleep? Because we think he's sleeping. We think he's not attentive or attuned. We're thinking that he would, will not keep his word. When, when I share things like I felt the Lord say to me, you need to understand, I don't hear his audible voice. I, I, I'm, I've never seen God face to face. But by his spirit, he will impress upon you ideas and thoughts that you know did not originate with you. And I remember during a season, which I have many, many flaws, but fear is not one of them. That's just something I think I, because you preach all the time, you know too much to give in to just that kind of thing. I remember just being afraid of something. I forgot exactly what it was. And I felt the Holy Spirit posed a question to me. And you know how the Lord speaks in a language you understand? Like when he spoke to Saul on the Damascus road, Saul said, I heard in a Hebrew tongue. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, why did he speak in a Hebrew tongue? Because Saul was a Hebrew. And I can be kind of uh, sarcastic or... Uh, you know, logically, I'm good at arguing if I want to be, but fruit of spirit won't let me. But if you catch me on a bad day, I can win. Uh, usually I just walk away and say, get them, God. Uh, but I remember worrying about something and I felt as if the Holy Spirit said, so let me get this straight. You're going to be the first one that God ever lied to. And I started, I went, I'm an idiot, aren't I? <laughs> 
You're quick. That's what we've been saying all along. You're going to be the first one. God has not ever lied, but he's going to lie to John. Let me tell you what fear is. Fear is walking into the court of heaven, using your access of the name of Jesus Christ, walking up to the throne of God, grabbing him by the collar or by the by his tunic, pulling him towards you and say, I have to be afraid because you are not faithful. That's what fear is. Afraid that God is not who he said he is. Afraid that God will not do what he said he would do. Afraid that we're disqualified from our sinfulness. Sin does separate us, but we should live in a state of repentance. And there's no condemnation that those are in Christ Jesus. I never merited access to start with. My access is not based upon my goodness, but Christ's righteousness. We're afraid that he's not listening to or answering our prayers. All of your prayers have not only been heard, but saved. Your tears are kept in a bottle. Let me tell you something that'll change, not just, I told you about study, but your prayer life. When you understand that every heart groan is heard and deciphered. Many times in the darkest seasons of my life, I would just weep for 30 minutes and wipe my face and say, amen. I did. Because I know he knows what they meant. He knew what those animal groans meant. And we're afraid that God will not choose for us what we would choose for ourselves. If there is a legitimate fear, that is one of them. Because most of us choose a miss that we would consume it upon our own lust. You better start thanking the Lord that he chooses not to answer those necessary prayers. God answers the vital prayers. Not the pressure prayers that we, oh God, he always chooses best, better. He always chooses that for eternal value. I'm just afraid he won't give me what I ask. That's why we don't give the children everything they ask. Why do you think he calls us the sheep of his pasture? No offense, I'm a sheep too, I'm grouping myself. Sheep are dumb. Seriously. Any of you had any interaction with them? If one steps over something, do you know, and nothing's in the way, and you can move the thing out of the way, all of them will step over. They'll walk up to something like a bottle, uh, 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 a can, a soda can, and they can't get past it. Or something where a fence used to be, you take the fence down. They just don't get it. They need a shepherd. The greatest, one of the greatest things you can appreciate to, of God is that he separates your prayers from those that will harm you and those that are for his glory and for your benefit. You have reached the pinnacle of prayer when your petitions are made and you finish them with confidence saying, having said that, you pick for me. When you are there, who can get you? You, you pick for me. Some of you still aren't convinced. How many have been to your 10-year reunion? 20-year reunion. How many of you, oh, raising hands, see, it's something about that. It's freeing. How many of you saw that person at your 20-year reunion or 25-year reunion that you just could not live without? That just, you don't understand. There's been love before. But not, no one has felt. I mean, just dripping sap. Life is over. I'm not going to eat. Till they come back, and then about two weeks later, you're eating everything. You're eating pizza, soup, crackers. You're eating it. But you could not live without them. And you saw them, and you said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you, you, do you know what I'm saying? Just something simple as that. Oh, we cried. We prayed. We called Grandma's church. Put them on a prayer list. Please, please. And you're just like, there's victory. And you saw that person. You said, whoo. God, you're just in the car. God is so good. He's so good to me. Listen, for some of us here, you know when I get you laughing that medicine's coming. You live in perpetual fear about something. And if you will settle who God is, and if you will settle what God has said, 
And you will settle his control and his sovereignty and his, his desire for what's best for you. Fear dissipates. Fear can be crippling, cancerous, poisonous, contagious, and blinding. It separates us from all that God is. And the key to overcoming all fear is divine faith and personal belief. Divine faith, that which God gives us, and personal belief. That means I take the faith that God gives me and I articulate it. Belief is a firm, reliant trust in who Christ is. My belief in him is a savior, a firm, reliant, leaning in, depending upon him as savior. Now on this side, a firm, reliant trust in him as a provider, as him as a protector, him as a preserver, him that would be my defense, that would uh, uh, vindicate, validate, to open doors at work. When I've given my very best and I, I, I've earned the right, then I leave it to the Lord and wait for him to open doors that no man can open and close doors that no man can close. Leaning in, a firm, reliant, exclusive trust. Fear is the absence of faith and faith is the absence of fear. They can meet each other in a moment, but one has to leave. Well, my mama was fearful, that's why I'm fearful. No. It's a generation, I've, I've heard this so much, guys. Can I just hit this, just, oh, generational curse, generational curse. John, is there such a thing as a generational curse? Well, yes, but once you are in Christ, everything behind you is broken. I mean, he didn't just save you, but yeah, but don't, don't forget about the curse. My granddaddy could have been a warlock and my mama, it didn't matter. Once I become in Christ, all things pass away and everything is made new. It don't matter who they were. All right, number two, David's faith. This is the waiting that Brooke was talking about. He said, I was just about to faint, to give out. But I believed my firm, reliant, exclusive, proclaimed trust. I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not just in heaven. Here. That's why Jesus asked Mary and Martha when Lazarus was dead, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Oh, I believe that we'll see you in the resurrection. I didn't ask you that. Do you believe I'm able to do this today? World of difference between then and now. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and the Lord shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So I'm going to just dig in and maybe speak some of our heart's echo today. I'm just going to read these very quickly. Why is waiting so, why is waiting on God so, so difficult? Waiting in general is difficult. I, just follow me around 24 hours and you will see that God has placed a learning curse on me. Not a curse like to harm me, but just... To, to, to eat away at that, if I get in a line, any line, from the fair to Kroger, it doesn't matter. I, there's someone in that line in front of me that is absolutely incompetent, 63 coupons, 14 of them out of date, looking for a checkbook. Oh, that was my last check. What's the pin on the debit card? I, where it, I had the pin. Call Erlene. Erlene, I'm like, I'll pay for it. I do. I just, hey, I'll buy it. Ain't but a few dollars. Oh, it's a hundred dollars. Really? I'll pay for it. It's either that or go to jail for assault. I'll pay for it. I know none of y'all else do that. If I were elected governor, first thing I would do is take one half of everyone's driver's license. Every, for what? For driving in the fast lane when you are slow. Anybody give me an Amen. The fast lane is so we might pass you. So how does that work into Christianity? It doesn't. How does, how does that translate? God puts you in situations where you cannot help yourself and you must wait on the Lord. I will tell you, I wait better in the spiritual realm than I do in the natural realm. But why is it so hard to wait on the Lord? 
because we have deep longings and aching voids. I remember when Brooke and Wade were waiting on their baby and, and Myra was waiting, uh, they were waiting on theirs and Kelly and I were waiting on ours. And um, it's hard not because you believe, it wasn't a matter of faith, I had the faith. I remember Scott and them praying upstairs in that grill, that faith wasn't the issue. It was that it hurt so bad. The longing was so bad for a wayward child. Kristen, the longing, it's not that I don't believe, it's that I do believe. Waiting can be hard, not because of unbelief, but because of belief. And the, the hole is so big. It's hard to wait because we have powerful promises. We have the word of God. That children are a heritage of the Lord. He's no respecter of persons. That He's a healer. It's hard because we see others possess what we are waiting on. It's hard to go to a baby shower when your, barren's, your womb's barren. It's hard to celebrate the health of someone when you're sick. It's hard to celebrate the birth. I, I just think of parents sometimes. I have a buddy of mine, his two-year-old, one of his twins just died. And I imagine every birthday that they celebrated that twin that was living. As a papa, I can't, I can't go there. I can't. It's hard to navigate those places in faith because we know, we know not only how powerful the promises are, but we see other people. We see that other twin living. We see someone with what we're praying for. Somebody got two homes and you don't even have one home. Somebody has two cars, you don't have one car. It's hard to walk that line of being happy for them and hurting at the same time. It's hard to wait because we're expectant. We begin to second guess ourselves and God. How many of you have done this? Did I really hear from him? Did he really say? Because delay, of course, means that God didn't speak, right? And we just gloss over the two decades in David's life, whereas a little boy, David, let me give you this quick. Dave, uh, Samuel, who in the time of the prophets, there was no written Bible. The, the prophets were as the voice of God, the true prophets. Not one word fell to the ground. They were as, and God sent Samuel to Jesse's house. And he said, go call your sons here. He told Samuel, I've already chosen a man after my own heart. And David was a boy. He already saw the end from the beginning. And he told him, he said, go get all your sons. And he brought all his sons to him except David. Do you see now when my mother and father forsake me? Then the Lord, will. so out of, the, he wasn't even counted as a boy, as one of Jesse's boys. That's okay, he was God's boy. And he said, is this all your sons? What a strange question. So all the sons come before him and Samuel goes to him and Samuel's thinking, surely this is the one. And God said, nope, 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 nope. Is this all your sons? I just think that's an odd question. You know. Oh yeah, I got one on the back hill. Go get him. So here's this little 12-year-old boy and Samuel hears the spirit of the Lord and he leans over and pours this unmistakable for days, he's covered in the texture and the residue and the scent of this anointing oil. And Samuel whispers, thou shalt be king. And 20 years later, he's living in caves with outlaws and outcasts because the king of Israel is trying to kill him. What you are waiting on is worth the wait. Don't forget in the darkness what you knew in the light. Time doesn't erase the promise. It doesn't hinder it or help it. God's word stands on its own. Waiting on the Lord is hard because we are finite creatures and time's running out. Here's how some of us pray. Well, Lord, I'm 28, 29. I ain't married. If I ain't married by 30, just forget the whole deal. You know, because I can't. I'm doubling up on makeup now as it is. I can't. 
And us men, we're like, I'm two sizes away from Sanzibelt. You got to do something quick here, Lord. <laughs> Girls are like, what's Sanzibelt? It's a built-in belt, baby, that stretches. It stretches with, you got little notches. I used to have mine that said Carabas, you know, <laughs> bonefish, outback, and then all you can eat ribs over here. And Sanzibelt just stretches with you. But when you put time constraints on things, I ought to be married by 30. I ought to be married by 35. Why? Well, because how does it look to others? How does it feel? I brought twins home in the hospital when I was 50. I got one foot in the grave and I brought babies home. <laughs> when, you start, when you let go of the reins and you just flow with it, you'll realize that your life is just as chaotic as everyone else's is, just as difficult, but you don't have to make it work. You just be in him and the pressure's off. Why is waiting difficult? Because we're carnal. We want what we want and we want it now, just like our kids. And we pitch spiritual fits and tantrums and we look at our kids and go, look at him pouting. Look, look at him. And what do we do? Pout, I ain't going to church. We don't say it. We're good Pharisees. We'd never say it. You know, I'll show you. I won't even go. Christian music, come on in the car. I turn it off. I'll even play a Beatles song. Watch this. Just silly, stupid. And then God goes, oh no, they're not going to church. Hey, let's answer their prayer real quick. Do you understand that that just prolongs the agony? When I see my little kids, I've already trained, they already know. Did you just whine? No, sir. Did you whine? Because whatever you whined about, you ain't getting it. That's anathema. We back it up six months. Like you want a Frisbee? No. Uh, write it down, Kelly. Six months. That, okay, daddy, that was not a real one. That was like a, it's just like a, did you come out a little bit? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Everyone in this room waits. But some of us, we all don't wait the same. And in the end, most of us get the same thing, but others didn't enjoy the journey. Number three, David's success. How did David successfully navigate two decades of waiting on God's promises and surviving Saul's pursuit? Oh, by the way, please join us tonight at 5 o'clock for prayer and 6 o'clock for Bible study. We're going to be doing Psalms 126, and I'm going to do the second part of this message dealing about uh, waiting for deliverance and transition. You'll really enjoy it. David's success. So the king of Israel is pursuing him. All these soldiers are pursuing him. God keeps delivering him over and over. How did he survive the wait between God's promise of him to be king and him becoming king? He survived because quitting was not an option. When you eliminate, I will not utter the words quit. Like a marriage, we will not use the words divorce, ever. It's very hard to divorce if you don't use the words. It's not an option. I'm with God till the end. David sided with God and quitting was not an option to him. Because at his core, listen, he believed that God was good and that God could not be otherwise. Well, what do you do, John, when your circumstances contradict your belief? You wait till your circumstances change and line up with what God is. See, this is just the dress rehearsal. God is grooming you for eternity. And we do not... See, giving my children everything makes me good, makes me feel good. Giving them what they need makes them good. You see? And if I give them too much, what happens? Spoils them. David succeeded because he knew that God would not withhold good from those that he loved and he called himself God's beloved. When he prayed, he said, your, your beloved is asking. How arrogant, no, how revelational. Beloved meant the most loved. His relationship, his experience was such that he saw himself 
as the most loved. It wasn't that you weren't, it's that he was. He's not saying I'm better than you. He's just saying I'm top tier. I just love it that my name is in the Bible. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John. You'll find it later in the Bible. John the beloved. Oh, okay. Why is that important to you? Because it gives me clarity in dark circumstances. If I'm top tier, then there's things going on here that I don't see. I'll tell you another reason that David was successful. He knew how to repent. If you look at the life of David and Saul, Saul uh, David in reality, reality was a worse moral center, an immoral center than Saul was. You're sleeping with other people's wives and killing them? That's, that's pretty hard. Numbering Israel, trusting in horses and chariots? The difference, the primary difference, not the exclusive difference, but the primary difference in David and Saul is David knew how to repent. And we read in that chapter in Psalms 27, he said, Hide not your face from me, O Lord. Don't, don't. And he would repent. He would confess his sins. See, if, if circumstances are against you and you feel separated from God, it's very hard to continue. But as long as God and you are close. And, you, and if you can say this, everyone listen, stay with me. I know uh, we're getting close to finishing time, but I want you to get this part. All during the day at any time, ask yourself one question. Is there anything between God and I? Sometimes there'll be one during the day. If you repent right then, the atmosphere, your attitude, the air, the, the spiritual, emotional air, expectancy, perspective, everything changes when there's nothing between you and God. And David, he would repent privately and publicly. He would stand in the congregation against you only have I sinned. I am the worst. He would, he would bow himself and prostrate himself in, the, in, the, in front of the tabernacle, uh, outside the tabernacle, just to be near God's presence. And he would call his sins by name. How good do you repent? How often do you repent? It's very hard to hold out and wait on a God that you're hiding from. David had courageous, tenacious faith. He continually strengthened his heart through tokens of God's nearness. He remembered the Lord's promise concerning him. And I, wherever the parents are, or grandparents, and you raised your children in the fear of the Lord, and you're waiting on them to come home, don't, don't fall into the trap of seeing more clearly their rebellion than you do God's promise. The rebellion is a reality. Fine, great, seal it up. Lord, you said that this is the will of him that sent me that none should perish. And I declare and decree in agreement with your word that my child, boy or girl, is a nun. None of them should perish. That's your will. It is express, expressly stated. And then we have a theologian that walks up and says, wait a minute, please. They are free moral agents. They have the ability to choose. You cannot do that. God will not. God's a gentleman. That's not in the Bible. God's a gentleman. He's the Lord is what he is. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He moves it wherever he wants. He doesn't check with the king. He doesn't check with the king. Knocked Saul off a donkey, blinded him. Jesus appeared to him. Stand to your feet so I can tell you what you're going to do. Yes, sir. It wasn't. Uh, Saul, would you prayerfully consider being an apostle? Get back with me. Tell me what you think. So this mama's praying for her baby. And this baby's living like hell, doing everything that the mama did and more or the dad did and there's no change there's no change and then we hear this free moral agency and she said Lord I understand that but you're the Lord and your will said that it is not your will that any should perish and I'm not leaving I'm not changing your mind I'm standing in your presence not for you but for me so I don't fade away, so I don't stop being the advocate, so I stand, because I want to be alive when I see them come home. So God has a problem. Here's Mr. and Miss Free Moral Agent, and here's the mama praying in the will of God. Well, God has a problem, except that God doesn't have problems. So what does he do? Well, he makes their life such a hell, they come home. 
Case dismissed. They may come home missing an arm or an eye. They may lose a decade. And I know that sounds coarse or, 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 or harsh. No. In heaven, a thousand years from now, it doesn't matter. In heaven, a thousand years from now, it doesn't matter if their life was cut short. It doesn't matter if they struggled with physical maladies. When you pray, Lord, just bring them in. Just bring them in. I've got way more confidence in his saving power than their rebellious power. Oh, that's good. Brooke, would you come up, please? David succeeded because he not only had the Lord's promises, he had others standing with him and supporting him. David succeeded because when he cried, he cried unto the Lord. I don't know who this is for, but there are people in here that you have faith. I mean, you believe and you cry all the time and you feel none better. Do you know why? You're just crying. And your tears go into the carpet instead of crying unto the Lord. Tilt your head. See yourself go. I, these tears are not just sorrow tears. I'm offering them to you. I'm crying unto you, God. It's a difference between, you know, country music crying in your beer. Seriously. And just to cry. And, you know, I, I did that. During the dark year, for the first six months or so, I just cried at my loss. I didn't feel any better. I just felt tired. But when I started turning them towards heaven, and I remember when none of y'all were there. You, you, you know your story. And I remember standing for the Lord and just wiped. I mean, I was just soaked. And I would lift the tears to God. David prayed that way. David said, unto you will I cry. And I will lift my voice, oh God. He kept before him and he rehearsed the words of the Lord. He kept himself in a posture of prayer. He consistently awakened the worshiper within. He never allowed himself to forget the faithfulness of the Lord up to this point. In this psalm, can you go ahead and just play the piano if you would? In this psalm, David admit that he admits he had reached his limits. I don't know of any other place where it speaks of a person fainting, like in waiting and holding out. He said, I'd almost fainted. I was fading. He wasn't talking about physically. He's talking about spiritually. Have you ever been in a place where it was so long that you felt like your soul was bleeding out? Like your eyes were closing? He said, but I waited. Nobody did it for me. I waited. As long as it took, I waited. Through tears, I waited. Through other people jumping in line, I waited. Through disappointment, I waited. No, this is critical. And for the times I could have swore it was close and I woke up and it seemed like I started over again. I waited. When seven years turned to 12 years, I waited. When 12 turned to 15, I waited. When 15 turned to 18, I waited. 18 to 20 and then there was the day where God turned again the captivity of Zion and we were like those that dreamed. The day come when God delivered me from my enemies and set me in a high place and he was coronated king of Israel. Saul was gone. The enemies were gone. The soldiers who hunted him, he now signed their check. The change came. It's not a secret how you navigate fears and waiting. Faith and belief. Divine faith that God gives you based on his word and your articulation of the same thing that God said. David said, I just about bled out, but I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I wasn't waiting on a thing. I was waiting on God. I was waiting for his goodness to reach my life and there would be no mistaking it. I would see it. With my own eyes, I would see it. And not just someday, one day in the sweet by and by. I was believing to see it in the here and now, in the land of the living. 
And it was the Lord that sustained me. It was the Lord that preserved me. It was the Lord that filled my life and my cup overflowing. And it's to the Lord I offer my praise that surely and goodness and mercy, it's following me all the days of my life. All of us have fears and waitings. And you have everything inside of you to navigate it. Take what God said and mull it over in your heart till it's your words. And then stand still. Wade taught us this last week. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Those that go forth sowing with tears, prayers of faith and tears, believings and tears, shall doubtless come again, bringing their sheaves with them. And I close the message with this, with this thought. How many of you are here when, I mean, you were during the journey, Kelly and I were praying for kids and we couldn't have the kids. And then we presented the twins that day. Do you know why I did that? That verse. I wanted you to see the sheave that was poured in that carpet up there. I wanted you to see outside of me that which was birthed inside of me. I wanted you to see the faithfulness of God, faithfulness of God, not just in heaven. Say, look, look at this seven-year-old angel, this seven-year-old, that five-year-old preacher man. Look at this. Where'd that come from? Waitings. Fears that we wouldn't be a mama and waiting on God to answer my wife's prayers. Ain't nothing special about us. God is so good. If you don't remember anything else, God is so good that his goodness will find you. Wait, I say on the Lord. Be of good courage. Strengthen your heart. The Lord will not withhold any, underline it, in blood, because he did, any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Very quickly, but I want to give you a chance to respond. And you've got that song about God being good. Is that the one? If you are, and all of us can be in a little bit, but in a season of fears, of opposition, enemies, you know, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, or a long wait and just tired and, you know, wonder, this is your proclamation of faith. I still believe. I want you just to come. I want you to stand around here and I want to pray for you in just a moment. Where are you? Come on. Come on. Y'all go ahead. When I'm spent and restless, thousand marks I missed. Your cross says it is finished. Once in have I missed You love me You always have You choose me Just as I am You love me You always have When You're absent And I feel abandoned Church family, stand with us But you stir Let's just worship Him here The stillness And all I know is that All I know is you love me, you always have, you choose me, just as I am, you love me, you always have, you love me, you always have, you 
If you'd look this way just a moment, there is nothing, nothing in my life. And Kelly and I have had this conversation. I, y'all, it's hard to explain. That, that's, that's my wife. But there's nothing in my heart like what I feel for my babies. I just, having said that, that's not the thing. Because they're going to grow older and meet some guy and forget about me. You following me? You get the house and then you get too old to enjoy the house. You know, then you just want convenient. All one level, big refrigerator, big recliner. I need some hallways. Make hallways. You see? It's never the thing. It's what happens in your heart, baby. Where you're unmovable. You're unafraid. You just... When God grants the promises, it just teaches you whether you're waiting or you're bathing in all of the answers. It's the same. Now, one's harder, but it's the same. And I give you this last thought to prove it. So here's the waiter, David. His own son, Absalom, rises up in his kingdom and forms a coup and is killing all of these soldiers and civilians on his way up to the palace. And David's mighty men start to prepare a battle. And you want us to go kill him? He said, no, let's leave the palace. What? This, you stand your ground. He said, no, God's the one that gave me this kingdom. And if God wants me to keep it, that's on him. Let's go. It's not the thing. Thou shalt be king. He put his crown down, king and no king. If the Lord wants me to have it, ain't nothing you can do about it and if my time's up ain't nothing I can do about it I'm gonna live in peace and he leaves and Absalom on his way to the palace is fleeing on a horse gets his hair hung in a tree is hanging by a tree and a soldier just comes up and kills him so he comes back to the palace puts the crown on and says oh whether I'm waiting or warring he's still God he's still God And for those of you in this altar that are weeping, sowing seed, look at me. You shall doubtless come again bringing your answers with you. Period. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.